Welcome to another edition of The War Room here on KOKC Radio here in Parsons, Kansas. I'm your host, Sean Fry, the managing sports editor of the Parsons Sun and Chanute Tribune newspapers. No guests again this week, but I've got a, a show uh, that I've been wanting to talk about for a while. Uh, I've, scri- I've written down some thoughts, uh, done some research, done, uh, and I'm going to present to you, uh, to me, some of the issues and some of the conversations that I want to have regarding women's and girls' sports, not only in the state of Kansas, but nationwide. And a, a big part of that conversation will be the issue of transgender women in sports. That'll be the second half of this show, or at least the B-side. Uh, so I scribed some thoughts. I'm going to try to present them articulately and sensitively to everybody, uh, every and all sides on this issue. Uh I believe some of these issues aren't controversial. They're just, you know, oversights that we have regarding women's sports as a whole that have nothing to do with the issue of transgender women competing in female sports. Uh, But obviously, uh, you know, with a a bill in the Kansas State House being passed that will likely be vetoed by the governor, a bill that would ban transgender women uh, and transgender girls from competing in female sports in this state, uh, going to the governor's desk this past week, and with a with the just the around the clock coverage of University of Pennsylvania swimmer Leah Thomas, who won an NCAA championship, becoming the first ever transgender woman to do so in any sport, winning the NCAA championship in the 500 yard freestyle, uh, it's a conversation that needs to be had. And it's a conversation I've I've tried to think about and tried to be educated about and put any biases I have aside and and look at this objectively. I want to share those viewpoints with you. But let, I want to start with just the fact that, you know, I'm recording this on Sunday night. Uh, on Sunday evening, South Carolina beat UConn for the women's basketball national title in the NCAA. Uh, the 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 tuna the precursor to the men's final. And, you know, why we consider it a precursor, I don't know. I think both national championship games should be on the same day, on the same court, with the same crowd. Played in on the same in front of the same television audience. Play both games back to back, just like we do in high schools anyway. The high school state championships are on the same day. Why can't we do that for the college level? I think that would be an interesting opportunity. Obviously, TV rights are a huge part of that. ESPN owns the rights to the women's college championship, and CBS owns the rights to the men's college championship. So I'm not pretending that the issue of television rights would not have to play probably the deciding factor in that conversation. But I do believe that the Women's College Basketball Championship, and it, it's prevalent. Uh, the Women's National Tournament, the NCAA Tournament for March Madness on the women's side, it's highest TV ratings ever. Women's sports in particular are growing in popularity. And, and first, let's just think about the fact that South Carolina beat UConn for a national title. UConn hasn't won a national title in a while. UConn used, it wasn't that long ago that UConn women's basketball was the Sharpie pick at the beginning of the season to win the national title. And it was, and to me, it spoke to a lack of parity in women's college basketball, a lack of parity that was upsetting at times to me. I, you know, and I sat there and I thought, why does one team just dominate so much? They won every national championship from 2013 to 2016. Uh, they also had national championships in 95, 2000, 22 to 20, 2004, 2009, 2010, 2013 to 2016. The only other women's basketball team that had as much popularity in that stretch was Pat Summit and the Tennessee Lady Vols. 
Uh, but UConn hasn't won a national championship since 2016, and this past uh, this past this past game on Friday, on Sunday night between South Carolina and UConn was the first time they had played in a national championship game that UConn had, and they didn't win it. South Carolina won it. Uh, th- this shows that there's more parity in college basketball on the women's side now. UConn isn't the dynasty they were in the mid 2000s or the mid 2010s, rather, and. That, that's a good thing for women's sports. Uh, you're seeing more opportunity be given uh, to more teams, and I think that has helped grow the popularity the popularity growth that we're seeing on the women's basketball side. Uh, just the fact that it's on primetime on ESPN now, it, it shows that there's more equitable coverage being given uh, to women's sports, which is helping fuel their growth. Men's sports throughout history have gotten more coverage uh, because they've had more opportunity for a longer time. There's a popular commercial being played. I believe it's Buick right now that talks about uh, the fact that women only get 10% of media coverage in sports. Uh, that's a, that's a problem that I have am trying to. I have tried to address at the Parson Sun and the Chanute Tribune. Uh, and there, there's examples all throughout. You know, there, there's examples throughout the the national sports scene as well. Uh, NBA games are growing in TV. I'm sorry, WNBA games are growing in TV ratings. Uh, the U.S. women's national soccer team routinely outperforms the men's national team. Uh, obviously, the women's team are back-to-back, uh, I, you know, back-to-back World Cup champions, and uh, they're obviously probably the greatest team in the world right now. And the men's national team just qualified for its World Cup after missing the previous one. So obviously, the women's national team is more successful. And uh, that's why they've drawn better ratings. Uh, locally, I have put coverage, uh, I put an emphasis on coverage that is more equitable between boys and girls and men's and women's uh, sports. Uh, you know, on Friday nights for basketball, when I'm laying out the page uh, for Saturday morning, your Saturday morning sports paper in the Parson Sun, uh, it's important to me that, you know, girls and boys equally get the opportunity to be the lead package uh, and th- that is indicative of the fact that some of the most popular posts and articles on the Parsons Sun are routinely Labette County High School girls basketball, Labette softball, and Labette women's basketball at the community college. And those are among the most successful teams that I cover. Labette, commu- Labette, commu- Labette community college softball. Uh, they've you know they've been to the national cha- tournament twice since I've been here. They had a two-time national pitcher of the year in Alex Break my first two years here. They started this year ranked in the top ten in the country. Labette women's basketball has been even better since I've been here. Uh, they've won a conference title. They've fi- they spent all year this past season ranked in the top five. Uh, they've made the national tournament, a national tournament that got canceled by COVID in 2020. Those are some of the most successful teams that I cover. And the fact that I've given them, I've tried to put emphasis on their coverage where is, I I believe is, has been part of my approach since I've gotten here. And I think it's something that more sports media members need to consider uh, when they cover high school sports in this state. Uh, Why shouldn't the more successful teams get more coverage? Uh, The Labette County boys basketball team has not won as many games as its girls since I've been here. Uh, And, it's you know what Christy Snyder has done over there, and you know her career coming to an end. Um, it is incredibly impressive of, and it sh- it speaks to just an entire legacy that she leaves behind, and that legacy is greater than what the Labette County boys basketball team has done during 
the same time frame that Christy Snyder has been here. And to me, that deserves more coverage. And I, I think more sports media members and I think society as a whole needs to consider, needs to start weighing that. It needs to start rethinking how it views and how it digests women's and girls' sports. Uh, when We're going to go to a quick break here on The War Room. When we come back, I'm going to talk about the issue of transgender women in sports and how we reckon with that issue. Obviously, disparities in women's sports exist. The issue of transgender women is a very pop, is a very polarizing one. It's a very controversial one. I'm going to give you a take that I think any and all sides can take something valuable from when we come back on from the break here on The War Room on KLKC Radio. Don't go anywhere. We're back here on The War Room here on KLKC Radio. I'm your host, Sean Fry. Today, we're talking about the issues facing women's and girls' sports in the state of Kansas and nationwide, and I think we've got to come to a point now where we discuss one of the caveats of issues facing women's sports right now, and it's an issue because it's a conversation point. doesn't mean an issue. it's an issue that has or has not come up with the right answer yet, but it is an issue, and that is the issue of transgender women in women's sports. It is one of the most divisive issues in America today. Nobody is going to deny that. Uh, unfortunately to me, it's been an issue that has fallen into the realm of political discourse, which political discourse as a whole has gone further and further away from reality on both sides and is driven by passion and emotion rather than ra- than rational discussion. And that's, it, and that's unfortunate for what is, I believe is an important issue, but we're going to get to why I think this issue, uh, one may be overblown. But two, is more nuanced and needs more thought. And and that's what I'll start off with. Uh, Transgender women competing in women's sports is a complicated issue. Uh, It it is not one that I believe has a clear answer right now. Leah Thomas, a swimmer at the University of Pennsylvania, she is one of the most covered college athletes in America right now. Uh, She is a, a transgender woman who previously competed on the University of Pennsylvania's men's swimming team uh underwent gender re- underwent hormone replacement therapy I-, I do not know if leah thomas underwent gender reassignment surgery obviously that is none of my personal business but with regards to the role that plays in competing in athletics i, I don't know the answer to that but I-, I do know that leah thomas underwent hormone replacement therapy and uh, she is now the she became the first transgender woman to win an NCAA championship in any sport in the NCAA. She won the 500 yard freestyle championship. I want to keep him. I want I want everybody to realize. People hear the name Leah Thomas, and I, I can already I can feel you already. You're you're boiling up with passion inside, regardless of what side of the issue you're on. You're either saying to yourself she is a champion for transgender women, and that her inclusion and her success is a beacon for all transgender women in the country, or you're sitting there ready to deride her and call it unfair and and just throw every single slur that you can at her. I, I feel that coming out of you. Let's put that aside for a second. I want to keep in mind that Leon Thomas did not win every event at the NCAA championships. She won the 500-yard freestyle. That was her best event, and she won the ch- and she won the title in it. She did not win every event. She finished in the middle of the pack in some events. She was finishing fifth in one, eighth in another. She was not sweeping the floor no matter what event she was in. Finishing eighth in the NCAA championships 
while successful, that's great. To finish eighth in the NCAA championships puts you above all but seven swimmers in the entire country. She was not winning every title left and right. So let's put so let's not act like Leah Thomas was the be all end all just runaway champion of the entire NCAA championship swim meet. She won one event. The hate that Leah Thomas is receiving from dead naming to threatening messages on social media to being vilified in certain corners of the media is inappropriate and it's not what's commanded of us as human beings. Leah Thomas is willfully enduring the intense scrutiny that is indicative of her character. Leah Thomas is choosing to endure intense scrutiny and a microscope on every single stroke she takes in that pool for, for the opportunity to call herself a college swimmer and to compete at one of the highest levels that swimming has to offer in the world. That shows how important swimming is to her. That shows how important being an athlete is to Leah Thomas. And that in and of itself speaks to her character. Regardless of what anybody else wants to say, whether it's fair or not. And I don't know whether it's fair or not. And we're going to get into that. It should also be noted that Leah Thomas is simply following the rules that the NCAA set. Her hormone replacement therapy allowed her to be eligible for women's swimming, and Thomas followed every single guideline to maintain her eligibility. So whether you think it's fair or not that Leah Thomas should be a college swimmer in the NCAA, or that you think transgenders should be allowed to compete on women's sports in the NCAA, or the NJCAA, or high school sports, or whatever, Leah Thomas specifically was following the rules. It is not her fault that she was allowed to compete. Leah Thomas was following the rules set by the NCAA. She is not a rule breaker. She did not circumvent the system. I don't believe Leah Thomas, and I think it's unfair to say that Leah Thomas wanted to win an NCAA championship. So after living her life as a biological male, she just said, I'm going to call myself a woman and go smoke the and go smoke these girls out here. That is not what happened. You need to put that aside. However, a policy of inclusion for transgender women, however well-intentioned, ignores inherent abilities that biological males have over females. Maybe not ignores, but at least any policy that includes transgender women into female sports overcomes those abilities. There's a joke from Dave Chappelle, and I know Dave Chappelle in and of itself is a very, he's very controversial in the transgender community. And, you know, I want to put that aside for a second, you know, discount the source that this is coming from, although I don't believe you should ever do that. Do me a favor, discount the source of this joke. There's a joke he did in one of his stand-up routines where he made the joke that if LeBron James was put on a WNBA team, he'd dominate to an inhuman level. I'm going to take that a, a, a mile further. And I'm going to say that any NCAA Division II basketball player, men's basketball player, so you take you take Javon Relaford, Magic Relaford, the graduate from Lebet County High School who's now a shooting guard at Pitt State, go put him on a WNBA team. That team is not going to lose, barring his health. As, as long as he stays healthy, they're not going to lose. They're going to win the title. He's going to lead the league in points, and they're not going to lose. That's what I think. In 2017, FC Dallas, a 15 and under boys soccer team, let's keep in mind that FC Dallas and 15 and under, it's a private travel club. And so obviously you're getting the best of the best in one of the biggest metro areas and one of the biggest states in the country. 
a 15 and under boys team in 2017 in Dallas beat the U.S. women's national team 5-2. to two. This was two years after they won a World Cup and then two years before they won another World Cup in 2019. It should be noted that the match was a true scrimmage format. It was a tune-up for the She Believes Cup and a match with Russia. And it, it, the women's national team was not going all out like it would, it would in a World Cup final. But the 15 under boys team beat the U.S. women's national team. And to me, that match is not a, the result of that match is not a surprise. And obviously speaks to advantages that biological males have over biological females. Productive conversation, though, on this issue as a whole has just become impossible. The issue's fallen into the black hole of political debate where thought leaders on every side drift further away from truth, reality, and nuance. In the state of Kansas, a bill, ban- a bill banning transgender women from competing in female sports this past week was passed by a Republican-controlled legislature with a vote of 74 to 39. It's the same, the same week 12 states passed similar measures, including Oklahoma, straight to the South. Democratic Governor Laura Kelly is almost certainly going to veto the bill, and the current margin of that bill is 10 votes shy of overriding a veto. Governor Kelly vetoed an almost identical bill a year ago, and that bill did not override that bill did, could not override the veto on a vote. The Kansas State High School Activities Association, known as Keisha, uh, to those familiar with high school athletics, they're the governing body of high school athletics in the state. And they ha- their policy requires a school to report to the association if an athlete is going to compete in a gendered sport opposite their birth gender. Basically, if a transgender man is going to pe- compete in a boy sport or if a transgender woman is going to compete in a girl sport, they have to, the, the school has to notify Keisha. And Keisha says there are anywhere between six and seven, six or seven is what they said, athletes in the entire state that fit into that category. The science of the advantages of men over women athletes and how those advantages can be measured as measured at all, how they can be measured, as well as how any of those me- advantages can be mitigated by gender reassignment surgery and hormone replacement therapy is in its infancy. We don't know. One scientific study published by Loughborough University in London, it's one of the world's best schools for sports research in the, in the entire world. If you want to go, if you want research on athletics and sports, you go to Loughborough University in London. A study in 2015 found that most transgender women who undergo reassignment surgery and hormone replacement therapy, we're talking 95%, have testosterone levels equal to cisgender women. So testosterone levels, that's one aspect of it. The study's publishers admit that transgender women will have physical advantages, particularly in strength, over biological women. That same study admitted that far more information is needed to discern the advantages and disadvantages. A study on testosterone levels is one small piece of a larger puzzle. Not even the whole body should be taken as a whole. Advantages in the lower body and upper body are different, and how those should be regulated should be differently. We allow other biological advantages in sports. Left-handed hitters and pitchers have advantages in baseball over righties, and we don't put heavyweight boxers into the ring with flyweights. So we, we take weight advantages, and we take, and, but they're allowed to all compete in the same sport. The ultimate question we're asking is transgender, can transgender women fairly compete against cisgendered biological women? And to me, it's a question that right now doesn't have an answer. It's also a question that right now isn't pressing. 
it's not it's not that it's not important, but it's not pervasive. It, it does not have a pervasive presence. Remember, six to seven athletes in the state of Kansas at the high school and grade school levels that Keisha governs would be affected by statewide legislation. The entire state is trying to pass a bill that would affect six people. There are more people in line at McDonald's on almost, at almost any given time. Imagine if, imagine if a law passed by the entire state house targeted just you, just you and your family, you, your parents, your wife, and their parents, or your, your partner and their parents. Imagine if that happened. How crazy is that? That's where we're at right now with this issue. Transgender girls and transgender women, they're not taking over women's sports across the state or across the country. Leah Thomas winning one NCAA championship in one event at an entire championship event it is not indicative of, of transgender women taking over sport, female sports. There are far more pervasive issues that need to be addressed where disparities negatively impacting female athletes exist. One example here in the state of Kansas is disparity and representation on the board of directors, which sets policies for state athletics. The Keisha Board of Directors is a 79-person board, and it has less than 15 women on it. 13 last time I counted. There are more than quadruple the amount of men on the board. Maybe that's why the state volleyball tournament is on the same day. The state volleyball tournament in the fall for high school in, K in Kansas is on the same day as the first round of the football playoffs in the fall. I ran into this issue when Parsons was hosting a home playoff game against Prairie View, a game they ended up winning, the defining win of Jeff Scheibe's first season in Parsons. I chose to miss it because Labette County High School's volleyball team, coached by Heather Wilson, friend of the show, friend of the media, we love you, Heather Wilson, she took her team to the state tournament where they qualified for. They were playing in the state tournament that Friday, and I went to Hutchinson to go watch that and cover that because, in my view, they were playing in the state tournament and Parsons football was playing in the first round. But when you have those tournaments, when you have the first round of high school football playoffs and about classes 3A and above on Fridays, and you have the state tournament on the, the first round of the state tournament, pool play of the state volleyball tournament on the same day, that's going to reduce attendance and media coverage of the volleyball state tournament, despite volleyball being the primary girl sport in the fall. Football is the counter to volleyball in the fall. And that's an issue that it, that's just one tiny example. And that affects every volleyball player in the state of Kansas. Every, that little tiny carve out, that little tiny example of how women's, of how girl sports in Kansas maybe don't get their same, maybe don't get the same type of love and media coverage and respect that boy sports do, which, again, these are sports that are protected by Title IX, by federal law. It affects way more people than legislation on transgender women would have. I don't know if Leah Thomas should be allowed to compete against other women at the NCAA level. I don't know if a transgender girl should be allowed to compete on the Parsons High School volleyball team. That's the answer right now. We don't know. Any advocacy for a solution to this issue needs to involve pressing for more information and scientific study on the issue as a whole. I do know that we're approaching a time of reckoning for how women's sports and girls' sports are consumed and dissected and thought of in America right now. They're becoming more popular, more part of the mainstream, and we need to, we're starting to reckon with that. That's why I wrote a column in the winter advocating for girls' basketball teams to be given late primetime tip-offs uh, equal to their boys. Right now, every boys' team gets the primetime tip-off. Why can't girls' basketball teams get it? 
more significant, meaningful issues regarding disparities in girls and women's sports need to be addressed. Rampant, passion, heated discussion on the issue of transgender women and female sports is not only an attempt to divert attention from uh, those other underlying issues that are facing women's sports, but that conversation about transgender women in sports in and of itself will be incomplete for now. That'll do it for the War Room here on KOKC Radio. I'm your host, Sean Fry. Everybody stay safe and God bless.